Open your Bibles up to Exodus chapter 20. Today we're learning about the fifth command. Uh, we've been going through the book of Exodus. We have arrived here at <laughs> we've arrived here at, at the Ten Commandments in chapter 20, and the fifth command is to honor your father and mother. And so Ron is giving his son, making sure he's awake and he woke him up early and got him this morning. And he's just been excited for this day for weeks. Um, so you might think this is going to be directed at the youngins, you know, you guys in the back, you know, with your, you know, families, and, and but, but this is not. This is actually directed towards all of us, and I just have to warn you that this is going to be difficult. This is not going to be a fun Bible study. Uh, this is going to, uh, you've been warned. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some tears shed today, uh, because uh, the Lord has, a, has a, a deep message for us today. And uh, we need to humble ourselves to receive it and be ready uh, for the fact that we have messed this up. Uh, probably every single one of us has fallen short uh, because this is one of God's laws and God's commands. And so uh, obviously the standard is perfection. It is high. And you and I, we fall short of these. There is grace, and we're going to talk about that at the end. But I just wanted to warn you, this is going to get tough. Uh, maybe your parents were not the greatest parents. I'm not asking you to raise hands, because your parents might be in here right now. But uh, maybe they weren't the greatest parents. Maybe they could have been like some of these parents, all right? So let's look, look at these. One parent um, uh, sent a box of cake mix and a can of frosting with a note to a teacher that said uh, that this was for their daughter's birthday later in the week, so would she please make it? Not a lot of effort to that, right? Um, there's another one from a teacher. Each Tuesday, test folders would go home for parents to look over, sign, and return it on Wednesday. One parent sent it uh, to me on Friday with a note that said she was unable to sign it because she couldn't find a pencil. <laughs> it gets worse, though. Russia, you know that country? No. <laughs> Threatened to suspend all child adoptions from the United States after a seven-year-old boy adopted by a woman from Tennessee was sent alone on a one-way flight back to Moscow with a note saying he was violent and had severe psychological problems. The boy, Artyom Sevenev, was put on a plane by his adoptive grandmother. In Tennessee, authorities are investigating his mother, Tori Henson. Uh, according to her, the child was mentally unstable, violent, and had severe psychological issues. She says, quote, after giving my best to this child, I'm sorry to say that for the safety of my family, friends, and myself, I no longer wish to parent this child. That's worse. Yeah, that's worse, right? <laughs> the family had paid a man $200 to pick up the boy at an airport in Moscow and to take him to the Russian Education and Science Ministry. She said it wasn't child abandonment because there was a stewardess watching him on the flight. <laughs> and a reputable person to pick him up in Russia. <laughs> so maybe that's your story. Maybe your parents abandoned you. Maybe you never knew your dad or your mom. You could have had the drunk dad that let his eight-year-old drive him home after a, after a baseball game. The uh, mom who gave her eight-year-old daughter Botox. Or the dad who made his kids fight with swords and armor dressed up in middle, as medieval knights for punishment. And all this happened last year. 
in this country. <laughs> this isn't even all the other countries of the world. This is just this country. And we probably don't have enough time if I were to pass the microphone around to each of you to share your wildest story of growing up and maybe the failures and sins of your parents. Uh, we probably don't have enough time, even if that was our plan. Um, the reality here today is that there are numerous broken and splintered relationships between you all and your parents, right? Um, and this is a sad state of affairs. This is not what the Lord has for us or has desired. We have failed. We have broken God's commands, and we now reap the rottenness of joy in our families, the families that he placed us into by his will for our good. You know, do we believe John 8, 28? That all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose? Romans, I said, John. Yes, sir. That's why I sounded weird coming up right now. I'm not infallible. <laughs> well, let's see where we went wrong. Okay, so in, in Exodus chapter 20 is where we're at. We look at verse 12. Here is the command given. The fifth command is that honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And if you just look to the next page, maybe it's chapter 21, verse 15 and verse 17. He kind of expounds on it a little bit. He says, He who strikes his father and mother shall be put to death. And he who curses his father or mother shall be put to death. God is serious about this, right? Okay. What does this mean? Let's, let's get into the meaning of this before we apply it. Uh, this means that we should respect our parents in action and in heart. Not just to say that you honor them, but to really honor them from the heart and with your actions, what you actually do. And this is not always easy, and it's not always fun to honor your parents. You will have to do things, and you will have to think things that you do not feel are right or even fair, and maybe not even productive. This is what God asks us to do. This is what He thinks is important. It's not optional. This is His will. This is His command to us. To honor the spoken and unspoken wishes of our parents. Whoa. This is already getting heavy. You need a joke or something. BK, you got a joke? <laughs> no, no jokes? Okay, we'll just push on then. So what does it look like to honor my parents? Number one is to forgive them. We're going to talk a lot about this a little bit later. But just know that that is the number one way to honor your parents, is to forgive them. Uh, a couple more here. I got some ideas uh, to speak well about them. You know, when you're talking about them to other people or to your spouse, to speak well about them. Another way is to think well about them. Your mind may want to disobey this command without your permission. And you should take control of those thoughts and think good about your parents. 
Um, how about support them emotionally, relationally, physically? That means be there. Don't abandon them. How about provide for them? The flesh says, that's not my responsibility. I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm not my mother's keeper. Right? Who said that? Cain. Is he an example of godliness? No. No, our flesh wants to get out of this. Spend time with them. With no agenda. With their agenda. Remember I said this was not going to be easy. This is not going to be convenient. This command by God says honor them. Write them letters. That's a good idea. Love them. And tell them that you love them. It's weird to tell your dad you love him as a boy. But it's good for us to do that. Thank them for their sacrifice for you. This heartfelt commitment to your parents and their good is the substance of this command. So this is kind of, all those things kind of embody what this command looks like to you and to me. But the question that we all have today is what if my parents are bad? What if my parents don't deserve this? What if my parents are dangerous? So would you guys turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 18. What if my parents are bad? What if my parents are dangerous? What if my parents are lame? What if my parents are awful? Any other word you can use to describe them? Well, we're going to go back to that number one way to honor them, which is to forgive them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Oh, man, Jesus, why'd you have to go there? Oh, for a lot of us, the reality is our parents have become, over time and through bitterness, our greatest enemies in this world. And that is so sad. Because we think that lets us off the hook from loving them and from honoring them, and it doesn't. Jesus said, forgive your enemies. He said to pray for those who spitefully use you. But you don't understand, they spitefully use me. Yeah. So pray for them and love them. Those who treat you poorly, those who abuse you, we are to love and forgive and pray for. But if I don't hold a grudge against them, who will? We use so many justifications for our behavior. Ezekiel 20, verse 18. But I say to their children in the wilderness, but I said to their children in the wilderness, do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I, the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. So here he says, I understand if you got bad parents, you're not going to follow their ways, okay? And there can be separation. There can be separation from their ways, from their statutes, from their judgments, and from their idols. 
but we need to reject their disobedience. We don't want to join them in disobeying God. Just because they don't follow God doesn't mean you don't have to follow God. It's better to obey God rather than men, right? That's what they said in Acts when they were threatened by the council from preaching in Jesus' name. They said, we're going to do what God says. If your believing or unbelieving parents ask you to do something that contradicts the word or the will of God, then you're not bound to obey them. You unfortunately have to disobey their demands so that you can obey God instead, right? But if it has to do with anything that's not in the Bible or something that the Holy Spirit has specifically directed you to do, we are supposed to honor our parents by listening to them and obeying them. Whoa. Even if that's not what you would have chosen or what you agree with. And we can obey this even if we're not able to be close to our parents because of distance or safety concerns. You know, some of our parents are wild axe murderers. I get it. You're not going to go around them and you're not going to take your family around them. I understand. But it doesn't mean you're not going to honor them, love them, and forgive them, and listen to them. Usually, our parents are not that violent to be around. Usually, that's not the case. It's rare. Usually, we have been offended or hurt by something our parents have done or said, and we don't want to listen to them anymore because we're angry and because we are hurting and we are bitter and we can't believe their selfishness and their thoughtlessness so we either want to get back at them in revenge or we don't want to trust them anymore so we never speak to them we never love them practically and we blame them and their sin for our current attitude am I speaking to anyone? It's tough, right? Dealing with our parents is sin. Do you guys want the honest truth? You're like, you're already giving it to us. <laughs> we usually make the choice to disobey this command and to disregard it because we are prideful. We are hurt and we don't know what to do. We are self-centered and, and we're sinners. And we're so bad at relationships and reconciliation that we don't even know where to begin to make things right. So we're waiting for them to fix it. We can't even try and obey this law because we will always seem to fail. It's a high, like I said, a high and holy standard. We have no idea how to love our enemies, much less our parents, who are supposed to be the one set of people to never hurt us. And yet they've wounded us more deeply than we knew possible. Right? And this standard of honoring your parents doesn't change if they are sinners or failures. It does not say, honor the good parents. Does it? 
And look, this command is even repeated in the New Testament. Let's look at a couple of those verses. Ephesians chapter 6. We have this command repeated. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. He says here that there's a blessing attached to the obedience to this command. This is a good deal. Why is my life not experiencing the blessing it should? Well, it's possible that you are breaking this commandment and you're forfeiting, forfeiting what God wanted to do in your life because of disobedience. Isn't that sad? That we let the enemy, we let Satan convince us to exchange God's blessing for just staying better longer at our parents. In Colossians 3.20, we have the second repetition of this command. He says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Do you need another motivation to keep this command? How about it makes God happy? When we're born again, we are adopted as his children, right? Mm -hmm. And so what motivates a child more than the joy of their father? You know, my kids do some silly trick on their skateboard and they instantly go, Dad, did you see that? Even if I'm not there. <laughs> they just are always, they want, you know, they build something cool with Legos, they always want to come down and show, you know. Jordan always, like, he does something great on a video game. He's like, Dad, you'd never believe. Right? He wants to make me happy. Those are, that's just the joy. And, and it, it, any kid, any child is like that. I'm sure your kids are too. When we are adopted into his family, nothing makes us happier than pleasing our Father. And God says here, this is just a blessing. This command is for you to have a good life. You don't believe me? I want you to have a good life. I love you. So I've given you these crazy parents. And if you make a choice of faith to honor them, you are going to be blessed. You're not earning God's blessing, but you can experience his blessings that he desires and has already sent your way. Obey this command. We are the ones missing out on true joy and satisfaction when we choose to disobey this command. We honor our parents because it pleases God. And it pleases God because it shows a Christ-like heart. And it's a Christ-like heart because Jesus honored his Father in every way. When his Father sent him to die on the cross as a substitute, Jesus said, wait, you want me to die? Wait, this is not what I want. This is going to be inconvenient for my 10-year plan. This is going to waste my Saturday. How many times has your parents been like, hey, do you want to go do this on Saturday? Nope, I got my own plans. Can't tell me what to do on my Saturdays. 
Jesus obeyed his Father in every place, every state, every time. So when we obey God in this way, it just reminds God of the faithfulness of Christ. In fact, the life of Jesus and the obedience of Jesus have been placed in you by the Holy Spirit, and so it just, oh man, God is so blessed by the obedience of Christ. And when we place ourselves in him and humble ourselves to say, yeah, this is right, we are pleasing the Lord beyond measure. Now you can be used by God to change the world when you obey this command. So I'd like you to go to Jeremiah chapter 35. We're going to look at this chapter. When it comes to honoring your father, we have to talk about the Rechabites. Have you guys ever heard of the Rechabites? No. The sons of Jonadab. Well, you will today. The Rechabites, the sons of Jonadab, are actually a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. The entire chapter of Jeremiah, of Jeremiah chapter 35 is about the Rechabites and how God used them in the world that they lived in because they honored their father and mother. So let's, let's pick it up there in verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Okay, so... Jeremiah is a prophet, and the Rechabites are not Jews. They are Kenites, which uh, Moses' wife, remember his wife that he married when he was with Midian, the priest of Midian? They was, those were Kenites. Okay, so these are descendants of those people. They traveled with Israel into the Promised Land and have always kind of been tagging along, and your God will be my God, and we'll just, we're, we're going to serve the Lord as well. So they good people. Okay, good people, but not Jews. But look what happens. God says, I want you, Jeremiah, to bring them into the temple. The center of all the Jewish world, the center of everything going on spiritually that God was doing among the people of the world. He says, I want you to bring these Jacobites in there and give them wine to drink. Not command them to drink wine. Just have a spread before them. You know. Um... Just let it be what all the cool people are doing, Jeremiah. So look what happens. So I took Jaazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of... I can't say that. <laughs> his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord. Ooh, fancy. Okay, just think of that. He's giving them the royal treatment here. He's bringing them in. Check this out. Into the chamber of the sons of Hanan and the sons of Agdaliah, a man of God, ooh, popular and impressive. By which, uh, which was by the chamber of the princes, above the chamber of Maaseiah, the son of Shalom, and the keeper of the door. And then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites bowls full of wine and cups. <laughs> Didn't expect them to drink out of a bowl. <laughs> And I said to them, drink wine. And they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, you shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, forever. You shall not build a house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these things. 
but all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. This guy Jonadab was hardcore. He said to all his sons, don't ever drink wine, and don't ever build a house, and don't ever plant anything, and just live in tents your whole life. Never try to get ahead in this world. So their dad, their father, their great-great-grandfather, right? He was not fun, no one. <laughs> he was not easy to obey, and he was not convenient. And if you think about it from a selfish perspective, he doesn't have their best in mind. Why don't you want me to build a house? Why don't you want me to plant anything? Well, Jonadab had his reasons. And we can get into all those reasons and why they're cool, but it doesn't matter. Because the whole point is that they obeyed. The flesh wants to say, I'm out of here. You're overbearing losers. I can't live my life. You are not the boss of me. I'm 18. Right? I have been emancipated. You cannot tell me what to do anymore. That's the law of this country, which trumps the Ten Commandments. Well, I worked on a lot of levels. <laughs> Just saying. Oh. <laughs> anyway. uh, <laughs> we get under control. Okay, so continuing on, he says, Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us, to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do we have a vineyard, field, or seed, but we have dwelt in tents. We have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. Now here's the crazy thing. Jonadab lived two hundred years earlier. And this family, this tribe of Bedouins had been obeying his one command for two hundred stinking years without ever failing. He said it to them once and they obeyed. That is a long time. Do you guys even remember what was going on two hundred years ago? Was that like 1816? Sorry, 1818. Eight, what are you doing? Wow. <laughs> I'm running about two years behind this. <laughs> you know, 1818 was a long time. I mean, I'm not listening to what anybody said in 1818 right now. Right? But this family, they honored. Wow, this is incredible. The flesh wants to wiggle its way out of almost anything. The f and these guys. They're so dead to that. They're just ready to obey. They're, it's not even a question to them. Now look at why we're talking about all this. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came up to the land, we said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans uh, and for fear of the army of the Syrians. So we dwell at Jerusalem. So obviously they live in tents. Our tents are terrible for keeping out arrows. So they <laughs> left. Right? Because they weren't allowed to build houses, so they're like, well, we just go here. So they're saying some crazy things are going down, which is the only reason why we're even here. 
But look, God used those crazy things to show off the Rechabites to his people of Israel. He wants to use them to show how guilty they are. And actually, God wants to use these Rechabites to show how guilty and how disobedient we are. Because they listened to their father, and Israel refused to listen to theirs, their heavenly father. These Rechabites were Kenites, like I said, descended from Heber the Kenite. Moses married uh, he Heber's daughter. Um, so it continues, it says, Then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction and obey my words, says the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, when he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For to this day they drink none and obey their father's commandment. God saying they honor Jonadab. He spoke once, then he died, and they still keep his command. And after 200 years, they're still obeying. God says, but although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, you did not obey me. He's contrasting these Rechabites who heard their father speak once and obeyed for 200 years, and Israel, who God has risen every morning to speak to them, every single morning, obey me, follow me, obey me, and they reject him every day. He says, I have also sent you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, turn now everyone from his evil way, amend your doings, and do not go after the other gods and serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers, but you have not inclined your ear nor obeyed me. Surely the sons of Jonadab and the sons of Rechab have performed the commandments of their father, which he commanded them, but this people have not obeyed me. The Rechabites are a picture of how corrupt Israel was, and how corrupt we are when we don't listen to our fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on Judah and on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the doom that I have pronounced against them, because they have spoke, I have spoken to them, but they have not heard. I have called to them, but they have not answered. He's saying, guys, if you will not repent, I'm going to be against you. If you refuse to confess your sin and be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, you will die. Doom. I like that word. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord God, Because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father, and kept all his promises, and done according to all that he commanded you, therefore says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. So, God promises a blessing to the people who honored their father. Okay? And he says this blessing is going to continue forever. And what's crazy is that there's been some Bedouin tribes found down in the Dead Sea area in Israel that still live in tents, and they claim to be Rechabites. They claimed to be Kenites. And in 1843, they were found, and then again in 1987, they were found. 
And uh, I don't know if that's true. But spiritually, Christians are the successors of the, of the Rechabites. People who now stand before the Lord and have been blessed by the Lord. Uh, we are the spiritual successors. You can, we could get into that forever. We don't have time today. So the Rechabites honored their father, Jonadab. But, check this out, they also honored their heavenly father. They're like a child who makes their father proud. Do you look at your parents as the will of God for you? Or were they the biggest mistake in your life? A lot of people have their parents is the excuse why they do not come to God. Well, when I was growing up, my parents just were so mean to me, and if God loved me, he would not have put me in that family. Have you not heard that excuse before? Mm -hmm. I've heard it lots of times. But when we surrender to God's will, we see that he does, makes no mistakes, that he did place you maybe in a, a tough circumstance, difficult situation. It is God's will for your life. We do this all the time in marriage. When you look at your wife, is she God's will for you? Yes. There's no weaseling out of that. You can't be married and be like, oh, I think God wants me to have an affair. <laughs> when has that ever been God's will? Never, ever, ever. Even if you married Jezebel herself, Satan's offspring, you may truly believe she is satanic and possessed. God says, still, she's your wife, and you're to love her and honor her. There's not an out for that. <laughs> it is God's will for your life to love your wife. Right? Easy. But we check out on this parenting one so fast. We make it dependent on what we get out of it. I was listening to a pastor this morning, who I really love, but he said a comment, I was like, hmm. He said, I honor my dad because he's such a great dad. And I thought to myself, I said, oh, I understand what you're saying, but what if he wasn't a great dad? Would you still honor him? Hmm. I told you this was going to kind of stink, huh? Well, how do we try to get out of this requirement and wiggle our way out? instead of trying to surrender to it, giving our best and giving our all into it. Not trying hard to obey it, but surrendering that this is what God wants. Let's, let's look at that. Mark chapter 7. We're almost done, guys. I know you guys are hanging tough through a difficult subject, but Mark chapter 7, verse 5 through 13. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to him and said, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders and eat bread with unwashed hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men at the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And then he said to them, all too well do you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. So Jesus is kind of zeroing in on one way that they're hypocrites, these scribes and Pharisees. And he said, uh, and he who curses his father and mother, let it be put to death. But you say, 
If a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is, a gift to God, then you no longer then then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many other such things you do. You see, our flesh can worm its way out of almost anything. And the scribes and Pharisees were amazing at worming their way out of just obeying God's commands. You don't want to honor your parents? You can find an excuse today. Every single one of you has an excuse to not honor your parents. Even church can be your excuse. And even God can be your excuse. They don't want to follow God, so I hate them. <laughs> mm. But God sees it all. He sees our hearts. And we will be judged on this. How does that make you feel? Well, there's a couple ways. Number one, it could be confidence. I keep this command perfectly. Let me show you why. Or it might make you feel judged and guilty and humbled by the word of God. My hope is that every single one of us in this room are the latter. That we're humbled. For God gives grace to the humble. You know, we have messed this up. But he desires to cleanse and to forgive us. He wants to save. He wants to forgive. The old covenant command shows us our guilt so that the new covenant grace can wash us clean and change us from the inside. And maybe it's been 10, 20, 30 years of disobedience to this command. Today can be the end. And we say, I'm sorry. We confess. We talk to the Lord about our failures in this area. We say, have I failed to honor my parents? Do I ever think about calling them or spending time with them? Do I speak poorly about them? Have I forgiven them? Fully and completely forgiven them. Confess your sins to one another. Call them up. Tell them you're sorry for not honoring them, forgiving them, or loving them. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Why? Because of pride. Well, they're just going to... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say or what they do. Are you going to obey God? God said blessing will come to you. You have no idea what he'll work out for you if you... Make the call. Confess your sins to one another and be healed. Repent means agree with God that his command is holy and just and good, but we've just failed to keep it. Turn your eyes to Jesus and his perfect obedience on this issue. When did Jesus say, no, I'm going to do my own thing? Never. Then ask him to supply you with the grace to step forward in faith and obey. And his response to everyone who prays that prayer, say, God, I agree with you. I'm sorry, but I need you. God's response is, yes and amen. You have it. Be blessed. Go forward. Listen, I know this is hard. 
and we've probably touched some places deep inside that you didn't appreciate being poked at. And that's what the law does. That's what the Ten Commandments does. It's really good at it. But I got some questions for you just to end our service. How long will we disobey God and blame others for it? How long will we keep the poison in our mouths without spitting it out? How long will we expect God to bless us while we're ignoring the clearest sin in our life at the same time? Why is nothing happening in our relationship with God, in my ministries? Let us confess our sin. Let us step forward in the new life Jesus offers us today. It is not possible in our strength, but only through surrender to his will will we be filled with this strength of grace. Amen, guys? Oh, man. Let's stand up. We need to sing a song after that. Do we have a song we're going to sing? Okay. Good. Father, we want to come to you in, in uh, humility right now, and we pray that you would, uh, after you stirred our hearts this morning, and that the, the law has done its work, it, its really good work of, of pricking our hearts and causing us to feel our need for forgiveness and for grace. God, we just pray that you would uh, speak now some mercy into our hearts, and you would speak love to us. And, Lord, you know every time that we failed, and yet you stand there with arms open, continuing inviting us to come in repentance before you and to receive mercy, to receive grace, and all that we need is in the loving arms of our Father in Jesus Christ. So, Father, we, we repent. We're going to make some calls today. We're going to write some letters. We're going to say some things and we're going to put aside some of our plans to obey you and to love our, our parents. Thank you for our parents. Thank you. Even in their sin, Lord, we want to be so full of forgiveness that we can thank you for them. And Lord, for those in here that are, that are struggling and having a hard time with this, I pray that your love would be the only motivation to let go of the bitterness and let go of the anger and let go of the selfish desires and fleshly desires to hang on to that poison. Father, I pray that your love would gently work in all of our hearts. And God, I pray that there would be deep reconciliation in some parents uh, today. And I thank you, God, for each one of the um, people here. And I ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we come and we take communion and we remember your sacrifice, your body being broken and your blood being poured out for us, Lord, we thank you and uh, I pray that it would just be a, a moment of new uh, co uh, covenant with you. That we would remember all that you have done for us and we'd allow it to change our hearts from deep within. Father, we love you. We pray for the kids that are at camp that you get them home safely on the road. Jeremy drive safely and I pray for the seeds that have been planted and the fruit that you've borne this weekend God that it would endure to your glory Jesus 
In your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.